0: Hello, Solomon, David, and Mikey. This is the Kemi You have a podcast. Your show, Sporting, DSM. All right, guys. The NBA Finals is here. That's One. And uh, it's only right we honor it with the proper introduction. And I know Mikey Domegala and uh, Mikey Darwish, you guys are going to recognize this because we're, uh, we're Nick fans. So we're going to do it Mike Breen style, all right? Yes. So with that being said, along with Mikey Darwish and Solomon Mandelawi, David Salaam on hand, David Jalovitz with us as well. So that was, you know, kind of fun. I'm excited, guys. Uh, the guys are here. We're all excited because today we have the man himself, uh, Mikey Domegala. Also known as Official NBA Buzz on Instagram. Mikey, welcome back to the show, my man.
1: What's up, guys? I appreciate you having me on.
0: For sure, for sure. So, for those who may not know Mikey, um he not only runs an Instagram but a Facebook and Twitter account covering the NBA. He's interviewed former NBA players, NBA fathers like Lavar Ball, shooting coaches like Lethal Shooter, also known as Chris Matthews and more. So his channel is one of the most active on Instagram and it's always an honor to have him on the show. So Mike once again, welcome to the show. But before we begin, I got to ask you. Tell us a little bit about Postseason NBA Buzz and how that's been working for you.
1: Yeah, Postseason NBA Buzz is uh is hectic as always. Uh Let's see, this is, year, this is year nine of NBA Buzz. I started in 2012, so this is my ninth postseason, going back to uh, Dirk versus LeBron in the 2011 finals when I was a little kid back then. So, yeah, it's hectic as always. You got to be on top of your game. You got to try to get the right angle on different posts. So, you know, you don't want to be posting the same stuff as everybody else. And, yeah, it's hectic. You got to be locked in on every game, Twitter refreshing, and really just your brain going, trying to be as creative as possible
0: yeah it must be a lot um, And you know Mike, in terms of your Instagram account, uh, just tell us and the listeners something you're proud of something that stood out to you in managing such a big platform.
1: Oh man I would say uh, I'd say the interaction you get to interact with thousands and thousands of people on Instagram, millions potentially on Facebook, but there's nothing like the Instagram interactions because of the celebrities who follow nba buzz like mark cuban and so many other people who comment and are always active liking it and then also me establishing myself as a journalist um i do that mostly on instagram i do it on facebook as well but on instagram you know i get to comment as myself debate with my fans as myself and stuff like that and people could see it's me because they could follow me on instagram so really uh being in touch with my fans Being in touch with celebrities is just crazy. I had Ryan Hollins in my DMs yesterday asking if I could make him some graphics and stuff like that. That's pretty frequent. (laughs) Me and Lethal Shooter are buddies. He's always hitting me up. He FaceTimed me the other night for something. It's just, it's it's pretty hectic.
0: That's amazing, Mikey. That is, that's just great. And it all comes with it. So, you you know, you put in the hard work, you provide for the fans every day, and uh, we all appreciate it.
1: Yeah, and it, it paid off, man, you know, because... Listen, the first couple of years, you don't get any results. You you could stop any at any point. Nobody would know who you are. Nobody would know who NBA Buzz is. So any point, I could have stopped it back then, but I stayed with it, and uh, it's it's paying dividends.
0: Definitely, definitely. I'm gonna hand it over to uh, David Jalovic, our Phoenix Suns correspondent, and I'll take it from there.
2: Thank you, you for those. Be, uh, yeah, I'm go ahead. I'm sure you're I'm sure you're a happy man right now. NBA <laughs> Finals, man. I I'm, I'm excited and nervous at the same time. I'm excited because I don't know how to handle my first major sports championship. And I've been following yeah. sports for, I don't even know how long, but I'm a little bit nervous because I think Kendall Jenner shooting for my job and she might, she might be taking that. She might be taking that Phoenix Suns correspondent role very soon. <laughs> so we're actually just going to try to sum up and put a, just put a ribbon on the NBA season here before it's even done with a very quick game of word association. Um, you've got both hands, both feet. You've got, of got your eyes and shoulders squared to the NBA uh, season you know to the playoffs to the finals now um so what we're going to do is we're going to lob you 16 softballs in honor of the 16 games required to win a championship so i'm just gonna i'm gonna pitch it right down the middle and let's just say you know in fewer than 10 words unless you really want to double down with a longer answer In fewer than 10 words go ahead and give me an answer so first and foremost chris paul
1: legend underrated on the all-time list where it comes to
2: impact Excellent, great. DeAndre Jordan. I'm sorry. DeAndre Aiden. <laughs> DeAndre Jordan's playing golf right now with DeAndre Aiden. Uh,
1: he's out fishing right now. But no, no, no. DeAndre Aiden.
2: Doubted and overcoming the doubters. Great. Uh, the percentage to which your naked eye saw Giannis's health. The percentage. Hmm. Seven, uh
1: sixty.
2: No, it's, it's a scary thing for Phoenix if he's able oh, yeah. to kind of rebound as quickly as, as he's already caught up to the 60%. Excellent. Um, he, didn't look, he didn't look too bad. Yeah, he didn't. He, he slowed down in the third and fourth quarter. Yes, for but, sure. But yeah, absolutely. As, yeah. You, could see that, you could see that fatigue. Great. All right, give me the, the Bucks' chance at the trophy in terms of percentage.
1: Ooh, down one
2: 40%. Great. The current state of basketball as you see it,
1: One of the brightest it's ever been.
2: Excellent. Load management.
1: A joke when it comes to the money they make.
2: No kidding. Patrick Beverly, speaking of jokes.
1: (laughs) A dog, easy to love if he's for you, easy to hate if he's against you.
2: Great. The 2K rating for playoff (laughs) P.
1: I got to check it. What is it? Oh, oh I mean, you're if, asking if, me. If you, yeah, oh, if you have to provide
2: me. a 2K rating for playoff P, ups and downs.
1: 88. He could he could hurt you, but he'll also miss some shots.
2: Right. Um, the Cavs' possibility of trading the number one pick. What are your thoughts?
1: I don't, I don't think so.
2: Reggie Jackson.
1: Oh, man. Revitalized career. Guy's going to laugh his – butt off to the bank this summer
2: okay in terms of that dennis schroeder
1: he's gonna cry himself away from the bank this season
2: <laughs> with that overnight <0-9 laughs> performance uh speaking of crying let's talk ben simmons you know the answer <laughs> <laughs> you're not you're not even going to attempt a shot It's typical ben simmons fashion <laughs> oh for 0. um you're you're surprised <laughs> your surprise team for next year. What's the pick?
1: Oh, man. I'd say the Memphis Grizzlies.
2: Great. Most improved player next year.
1: Whew. That's a, that's a tough one off the top of the dome. Let's go a bold R.J. Barrett.
2: Oh, I nice. like that. Uh, a story that was almost initially exclusive in the beginning to official NBA buzz, the 75th anniversary logo for the NBA. What are your thoughts? hmm
1: Basic.
2: Yeah. And then finally, the 82 game season starting as soon as next October, as it was announced.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> more load management where it shouldn't be, but they got to get back on schedule.
2: Excellent. Thanks for playing. Um, boys, back to you.
1: Yeah. Very creative. I loved it. Thanks, Ben. Uh,
3: thank you, David. And uh, thank you, Mikey, for joining us today. And thank you, David Salama, for the amazing introduction today. Uh, So let's focus on some finals basketball tonight, all right? Uh, So tonight, we're going to be making some predictions on who's going to win the championship, who's going to win it all. But first, I want to go through how they got there. So let's focus on the Suns. We're going to cover individual impact first. Then we'll focus on the team's journey to the finals. And then we'll make the predictions. The Phoenix Suns, the big three Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton. Two weeks ago, we had Harry Chazanoff on Sporting DSM, and uh, he loves Chris Paul. He told us that there has never been anyone in NBA history. Who has jumped from team to team, making every single team he has played on better? The Suns were one of were the worst team in the league in 2019, and then they took it up a they, they took it up a notch last year and went eight and zero in the bubble. And now he has brought the Phoenix Suns to the NBA Finals. Chris Paul, as in his impact on the Suns has been huge. How, how much has he helped Devin Booker develop as a player? Yeah, I would say
1: he definitely has. D-Book was always a bucket. Um, you know, he put up that 70 points at 21 or 22 years old, but here he is more mature with Chris Paul in his corner. You just see that he's not rushing. He's not taking any bad shots. He's getting set up for a lot of good shots, and that's all from Chris Paul. Have on the floor and off the floor, being in his ear. So working with him all the time, being more patient. He just he just looks so much more poised and so much more of just this calculated killer out there than he did. Where he would you know in that when the when Phoenix was the worst team in the league, putting up a ton more shots, harder shots, worse shots, and now he's just so much more polished. He's gonna be ridiculously good even in three years. He'll be even better. This season is really paying off for the Suns, that I believe they're going to win a championship. I'll make that prediction later And how many games. But also that Booker is going to be MVP-bound in a few years because of this season.
3: Uh, so, David Jalovitz, uh, earlier in the season, you said that DeAndre Ayton was soft. You said that he, he could not uh, be as physical as he needed to be. So now in the finals, putting up the numbers that he's, he's putting up. He's uh, the first since uh, uh, Kareem and Wilt to, to have, uh, what was the stat line, th- uh, 30 points and 15 rebounds on 80% from the field in, a, in his first finals
2: game. So how, how has he improved his game? I think it's also very convenient that he happens to be playing for a contract, right? So I, I think that he's he's stepping up at a time that's personally important to him. It's also important in a, in a team aspect. He was like, like Booker before him in a different way. You weren't quite sure if he was going to develop from uh, a person with a ton of potential and promise into an actual straight alpha. And he's shooting for the playoffs, I think, 71% from the field. He's taking wise shots. He's putting up a lot of these stats. With, um, with even a limited number of attempts. I think he was attempting nine shots a game in the, in the, previous, in the previous series. He, he's stepping up. And as a, as a husband who's responsible for teaching the game of basketball to a wife who's watching the finals, he even had the opportunity to rebound pop, maybe 25 rebounds last game. He suffers a little bit still from, from Dwight Howard disease, which I think he, he takes himself out of the play. He'll drag himself behind the basket. He'll even put a, a foot out of bounds but when he is plugged in which is even more dangerous to the competition he's he's absolutely he's impossible to stop he's got an impossibly soft touch he's got a great jump shot he's a great rebounder when he's interested and he's a, he's a phenomenal passer from that post position so he's really stepped up and he's been he's been everything the suns need him to be to be able to, to take advantage of that of that softer kind of injury-riddled schedule that they've faced and conquered
1: and if i could jump in Along with your comments, David, I agree 100%. Also, the impact of Chris Paul comes up again. Why he's so locked in? Why he's so fired up? Chris Paul is in that kid's ear, again, the kid's ear. He's so young, and he really needs that veteran presence behind him to really make him unleash his full potential, unleash his full rebounding and scoring potential. So I agree with you a thousand percent.
2: Yeah, yeah. He's he's he reminds me not not athletically perhaps, and maybe not skill set of a young LeBron James, when he first entered the league, he wanted to have fun first, and DeAndre's like that. And he has that veteran coaching ear, even on the court with, with CP3, but to your point, and, and he's being reined in, and he's he's being forced to, to take kind of a serious role to it. He's also only played – I think he, he was introduced to the game at a, at, a, at a later age, relatively speaking, 14 in the Bahamas. It was his second passion as far as what sports were, and he's – really the sky's the limit for this guy.
1: And his, yeah.
0: his first passion was what?
2: I believe it was soccer. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I heard uh, Jeff Van Gundy say this on the, uh, the broadcast yesterday. He said runs, he, he runs, rolls and rebounds. He keeps it simple and he's been dominant. Right? And that's exactly what the Suns need, right? They need it to be doing that. They don't need him, you know, to be putting up uh, you know, 30 a game as, as much as, you know, David, you want to see that. And as much as Suns fans do want to see him do that, he's, he's been doing what he needs to do. And He's been playing with a lot more confidence in the playoffs, um, and that's huge. That's that's a big part. Um, as to, it's, it's huge for the Suns, and they're only going to get better when he does do that.
3: Mm-hmm. And Chris Paul on that team just helps his development so much. Chris Paul said that he's trying to get DeAndre Ayn paid next year, and uh, Ayn in response said that Chris Paul – was the best thing that ever happened to his career. And you could, you could see that on the court, clearly. They work extremely well off of each other. Uh, Chris Paul is the... the he's, uh, probably, he's definitely, for sure, the best pick-and-roll ball handler in the league. And then DeAndre Ayton just as a, as a screener, as a roller, as a, a, a lob threat, a finisher around the rim... It just works so well with Chris Paul, his passing ability, his uh, his court vision. Uh, My, Mikey Darwish, uh, how do you see this affecting the Bucks' world-class defense? I mean, honestly,
4: when you have a team coming in with good offense and then another team coming in with good defense, you need to see how it plays out because the Suns right now are unstoppable on offense, especially late game. Like, when Chris Paul comes on late game, uh, I'm going to reference Dragon Ball Z. He goes into Super Saiyan 3. Like, he becomes super powerful, super effective. Can't stop the guy. Then, you know, on the other hand, at the beginning of yesterday's game, you had Giannis going crazy on defense. You had Middleton and uh, Drew Holiday kind of, Learning how to contain, but then I guess it all fell apart late game.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> uh, really quickly, um, you know, for a 22 year old, I'm just going to jump back to Deandre Ayton real quick. For a 22 year old in his first NBA Finals game, uh, you know, for him to put up 22 and 19, David J, as a Suns fan, like, what are your thoughts on that?
2: I mean, it's it's invigorating because it, it could have easily been 28 and, and 24. If he decided to be a little bit more active on the boards and not let himself, he has a bad habit of getting behind smaller guards. And the Clippers were doing this left and right in that series. Is he was getting boxed out by men half a foot shorter than him. So he still has a little bit of work to do, but that's, that's the upside. Um, but he's got active hands on defense. He really, he, he, when he tries, he really does try hard. The Suns look great on defense overall. I mean, it was a team that when game one of the finals had as many steals as they did turnovers, nine of each. So if you only turn the ball over nine times, but then you steal it back nine times, you're breaking even. It's Chances are you're going to win that game. So the team looks great. Uh, Aiton is, is pretty much doing his best Amari impression. Um, you know, you've got CP3 doing his best Nash impression. And if you were to compare the teams of the Phoenix Suns old and past, Booker's the outlier. He's the X factor. And I think this is the best Phoenix Suns squad that they've had, I think, ever.
0: Wow. It, and is it an, But is it enough, like... Like, is what DeAndre Ayton doing enough uh, for the Suns, or do you want to see more?
2: I, I, look, I, I would love to see him. I'm not sure how, how into coaching Dennis Rodman would be, but what I would do is I'd try to pair him in the offseason with a person who has a nose for rebounding because rebounding gives you second chances. We know that he's got the shooting down. He's got the, even the free throw making down. He's got the passing down. What I would do is just get him interested in, in looking for those second shots if, you know, as far as rebounds. While you're watching Game 2, Game 3, Game 4, hopefully there's not a Game 5 and beyond, look for him to get lost as you pay attention to his footwork. He he takes himself out of the play in many cases. That's what he could improve. Otherwise, we'll take it. 71% from the field. You know, he's in great company there. It's unbelievable. Offensively, he's just untouchable.
3: Definitely. Uh, okay, yeah. So let's, uh, let's talk about the Suns' journey to the finals. So uh, Mikey Domagala... They they fought hard through the through all the playoffs and uh, there were some points when I thought that they wouldn't make it. I thought they would lose to the Lakers. I thought they would lose at least one game to the Nuggets. I mean, come on, they swept the Nuggets. <laughs> uh, that's that's crazy. That's even without Jamal Murray. That, that's that's just crazy to me. Uh, and then the Clippers. Clippers lost Kawhi Leonard, still put up a fight, but the Suns took it in the end. Um, so my question to you is, you know, if if a few of those stars on their opposing teams were healthy, does anything change?
1: I I would say the Lakers series would be different. I had the Suns beating the Lakers this year because of the circumstances. AD was beat up, LeBron was beat up. But then again, you you shouldn't you shouldn't doubt the Suns' depth because they are just ridiculously young, ridiculously hungry, and they have pieces left and right and they play great team defense. Monty Williams has got them just excellent all around play. But against a healthy Lakers team, you know, those Lakers, those Lakers were overrated. They weren't like last year's team that where they were all locked in. You know, Andre Drummond didn't really perform how he should have. Harrow was barely getting minutes. Dennis Schroeder, you know, is becoming playoff Schroeder now from his performance. So I think Phoenix, even with the Lakers healthy, would have beat them. But the rest of their journey, I see it going the same way if everybody else was healthy. Maybe not sweeps, but still beating them again to the finals. I think this team is just so polished all around. Like you said, DeAndre Jordan coming into DeAndre Ayton, excuse me, coming into his own. Uh, Cameron Johnson, uh, you know, so many other guys on that team really stepping up. I could see them being finals bound, even if everybody was healthy.
3: David, David Jalovitz, the Suns are in the finals. But just just to look at it a different way, every single team that they've faced thus far has had either their one or their two option injured. In round one, it was Anthony Davis. Two, it was Jamal Murray. And round three, it was Kawhi Leonard. So if, you know, as a Suns fan, do are you satisfied with this finals run? Hold
1: on. I got to jump in one second too. You also got, David, I'm sure you're going to say this. Chris Paul was a little beat up too. And Mm -hmm. he had COVID. So yeah, take that into consideration also, David. Sorry. My bad.
2: Yeah, not, yeah, not at all. No doubt about it. Um, look, I mean, you look at, you take Chris Paul as, as per your example, he, he got, he's got tremendous bad playoff luck with the hamstring injuries in 18, 19, 20, you win the games that you're supposed to win. And then you move on. You can't think about, you know, we can't send our medical trainers into their locker rooms to heal their players. So this is a game of luck. It's a game of skill. It's a game of circumstance. You know, we've had in back in Steve Nash's day when he was bumped into the sideline by the, by the by Lakers and by the Spurs, we had a couple of guys suspended. So we've had our share of bad luck in the past and we've had our share of injuries. But at the end of the day, when we hoist that trophy, I think that you're going to start washing that away. There is no asterisk for us. Again, you know, you play and beat the teams you're supposed to play and beat. And the truth is, even dating back to the bubble, we've been the hottest team in the league. We're playing downhill. We have, to your point, Mike, we, we've got players in the exact positions. If you were to draft a roster, you're looking for a veteran point guard to control the ball. You're looking for a hot shot shooting guard. You're looking for a young athletic center who is very efficient and, and you know, you know, does a good job rebounding. I mean, you've got those role players and the bench is very deep. And you've got a coach that they relate to almost like a big brother kind of father figure. There is nothing from a kind of 10,000 foot perspective that you would do any different. You've got a hungry fan base that hasn't seen playoff basketball for 10 years, you know, they haven't been in the finals since they were 28. So you throw all that into a pot and you mix it up. And the elixir was that sons and four guy and forget it. I mean, this team really has that destiny feel. And what's amazing about this, even pulling away from the Phoenix versus everybody mentality is that this is so good for the NBA because it's a team that was built and not purchased. It was a team that was drafted, not, you know, recruited. So it just works. And I think that it's, it's an amazing playoff run. It sucks that people are getting hurt and we've been lucky to be lucky, but you know what? At the end of the day, I'll be purchasing my 2021 champions t-shirt in a size XL, and I'm going to wear it for the rest of my life.
0: <laughs> as, as our good uh, you know, uh, Hornets announcer says, David Jalowitz, how do you do? Well said. Um, but look, guys, they, they played whatever team they played, they did what they had to do, and they deserve to be where they are. Listen, injuries are a part of the game. That's just, it, that's how it works. So I'm proud of the Suns, and uh, I, I'm, I think they should be there. I definitely think they should be there.
3: Uh, yeah, the Suns fought hard. They fought well, and they're in the finals, and that is the bottom line. So without further ado, let's move on to the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis Antetokounmpo went down uh, with a hyperextended knee uh, during their series against the Hawks. Uh, so without Giannis... The Bucs won two games against Atlanta. Now, Giannis miraculously made a comeback in a week from an injury that that he said he thought would sideline him for a year. (laughs) So uh, his his impact on this team is unmistakable. Without him... Without him, Mikey, do you think they would survive in the finals?
1: Oh, no, absolutely not. They would – Phoenix would shoot the ball all over them. And, like we saw – well, they played good against Atlanta, but, you know, this this Bucks team, even fully healthy, they have their holes in their team. They It doesn't seem like they all fit together that well. So, without Giannis, no, I, I don't think – maybe they would get one game. Maybe. But – I see Phoenix winning either way. Healthy Giannis, not healthy
3: Giannis in probably six games. Five or six games. Uh, so Giannis Cupo did make a comeback. He's healthy. And when he was asked by re- the reporters after the game, he said that the knee does not bother him at all. He had 20 points and 17 rebounds in that game one. Middleton had 29 points with seven rebounds. Chris Middleton... Kendrick Perkins said that Middleton is the Batman and Giannis is the Robin on this team. Do you agree or disagree with Kendrick Perkins? Uh I agree in the last two minutes of the game
1: that <laughs> Middleton is the Batman and Giannis is the Robin. And there's nothing wrong with that. Middleton's a big shot maker. Giannis isn't a big shot maker from three from the mid-range. He's just not. I mean, it's clear you You don't, you gotta be an idiot not to see that. Like Middleton could hit these big shots, different mentality, but there's nothing wrong with Giannis rebounding that ball. If Middleton misses the big shot and dunking it, there's no issue with that whatsoever through the whole game. You know, maybe they flip flop every now and then who's Robin if Middleton's hot, but you know, Giannis impacts the game on so many different levels that he is usually always the Batman, but I understand what Perkins meant by that.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Middleton making the big shots. Uh, but uh, he shot 46% from the field and 41% from three in game one. Uh, so I- in recent games against the Hawks, he ha- hasn't really shot so well. Do you see this as a uh, a, a problem for him in the finals? Uh, I don't... I don't see it as a problem,
1: but I don't believe, I forget what his stats were yesterday. I don't, he didn't really, he didn't really kill it
3: yesterday. Do you have the stats on you? Uh, yeah, he shot, uh, 12, uh, yeah. He shot 12. He shot 12 of 26. from All the right, field. Not,
1: not horrible. That's a, that's high volume, but not right. horrible. Um, it's almost like <clears throat> against Atlanta and the previous series against Brooklyn. Like, he would struggle early in the series and like in the big games, he'd kind of turn it up a little bit. So, I don't know. We'll see. But you know, if if Milwaukee wants to win a game, he needs to score at least twenty five.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I, I remember
2: when I remember when Giannis' contract was was expiring and there, you know, there was discussion about free agency and him re-signing. There was the question mark whether Middleton was the guy he was supposed to be to step up and kind of you know be the the counterpart for Giannis. I think in that way, just the fact that we're entertaining the conversation that Giannis might be a Robin answers the question that the Bucs were asking. And does he have enough support?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, listen, they, they brought in Drew Holiday. They brought in Bobby Portis and uh, Bryn Forbes (laughs) as scoring options off the bench. The help is definitely there. There's just something with that team that I can't put my finger on. Why with this much talent, with, With this much big names, they can't really, I mean, you can't say it's not success making the finals, but, you know, they can't just storm roll through certain teams with the MVP, with an all-star in Middleton, one of the best defenders in Drew Holiday, great bench pieces. I just think it should be easier for them. And if that means Giannis needs a jump shot to really put them over the hump, that, you know, can't really debate with that. (laughs)
0: And even adding P.J. Tucker too, you know that was yes, a huge exactly. addition to that team.
2: One uh, hundred was- percent, because P.J. Tucker is he's probably the best in the NBA in that side shot, right? In that side yeah. out three, yeah, of and and that's exactly where you need him. You need toughness, even if he's undersized. So it's it is it's remarkable that it doesn't work as well as it should. But something yeah. they're just once they cross, they're better. They're a better fast break team. But once it slows down a bit, there just seems to almost like be like six or seven players in their team, and because things seem congested and, and yeah. things slow down.
1: No doubt. And I, is that Drew Holiday not really being as great of a playmaker as we thought he is? It's the ball, it does stick, and everybody seems bunched up. Like you said, they get Giannis on one side, then, oh, now we got to get the ball to Middleton to create something. You know, it's like very staggered mm-hmm. right yeah. when I watch them.
0: I don't know. Was it only me last night that thought Giannis was at like 90%? It didn't look like he was at a
3: 100%. Yeah, no,
1: nah, he definitely wasn't. No.
3: Yeah. Uh, uh, uh so Brooke Lopez last night, 17.6 rebounds, one assist compared to Drew Holiday, 10 points with seven rebounds and nine assists. Is Holiday the real third option of that team at this moment in time? Brooke Lopez in game five against the Hawks had 33 points without Giannis. Is Brook Lopez the third option of this team or is it Drew Holiday?
1: I think it flip-flops, depending on the game. Drew could really be more of a defender, certain games, facilitator, or a bucket if they need it. Brooke Lopez, you know, he's another one. Like, that's another name, name, I didn't mention uh, previous All-Star, I didn't mention, who's also on that lineup. It's like, they have so many good names. It's just, Brooke Lopez needs to be the Brooke Lopez of Brooklyn for them and really kind of try to dominate the paint, not really be a three-point shooter we saw that when he dropped, what, 35, 37 the other, the other game. So that's what they need from Brook Lopez as well.
2: It's especially mm-hmm. considering that Saric is now out, and that's a steep cliff dropping off to Frank Kaminsky, who you're eight, you know, he's a defensive stopper, but then you, you're missing Saric because he's out for, you know, foreseeable future. Kaminsky is no defensive stopper at all. He's a, he's, a, he's a three guy. He's not a D guy. So they need to get Aiton in trouble quickly. So he steps off for the court, and they can attack the paint with Giannis, who's 6'11", and Brook Lopez, who's six eleven or seven feet, whatever he is. For
4: sure. Yeah,
0: and watching Frank Kaminsky get in the game, so you just saw the you know the decline on defense. The Bucks were starting to get on a run, and I was like, they got to get Aiton back in there. You know, as as much as it's gonna as fatigue is gonna hurt him, you you need a guy like DeAndre to stop uh, the ball because Kaminsky was just getting bullied by Lopez in the paint
3: last year the Bucks lost to Miami in the second round of the playoffs. Now they completely swept the heat in round one of the playoffs. How surprised were you when the Bucks completed their sweep in round one?
1: I wasn't surprised to be honest. Uh, I always felt Jimmy Butler was a little overrated as a leader. Um, he did lead them to the finals and they had, they had a good year, but this year, something was different about that team. Very inconsistent winning all season long up until the end, Tyler hero, Hollywood got to that kid's head. He, him and his supermodel girlfriend, you know, all over Instagram, all over the red carpet, wherever they may be. Duncan Robinson may have spent a little too much time in the podcast arena. He's, he's not us guys. He's a basketball player and he needs to be (laughs) in the gym. So I feel like all three of them, especially hero and uh Robinson, kind of took a little bit of a step back. The fire wasn't really there, and it really caught up to them in uh in the playoffs was as it got swept,
0: yeah, and Mikey, do you see Duncan Robinson you know leaving Miami because he's he's gonna be a free agent, isn't he
1: yes and and people are gonna want to try to pay him. I wouldn't even mind him in New York.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah, we need shooters, Mike, we yeah, need shooters sure, Listen, Agreed.
3: Hey, I love
1: Reggie Bullock, but they need they need somebody else there.
0: Oh yeah. Definitely.
3: Yeah, so round 2, the favorites to win the championship, the Brooklyn Nets. First off the Nets faced off against the Celtics, who were a play-in team, and this play-in team actually stole a game from the Nets. This is the Celtics. Uh, and the Nets Were the 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 freaking title favorites? They were the favorites to come out of the come out of the East, and they lost the game to the to the Celtics. And then round two, as as David and Mikey and I have said throughout the entire season, the Nets lost in the second round in Game Seven. The Bucks waltzed right past them, without with a without Kyrie Irving, with a James Harden at ten percent. Uh, so, the Bucks pushed past Kevin Durant, who scored, I think it was 48 in Game 7 overtime. His shoes were just a little bit too big at the end of that, that game, with the clock winding down at the end of regulation. Uh, so, if, if the Nets stars were healthy, if Kyrie didn't go down, uh, the wrong way, if James Harden was 100%, would the Nets get past the Bucks?
1: Yeah, no doubt about it, and you know, this comes back from I guess my you know, we don't know the severity of Kyrie's injury, what it was, but if you see James Harden kind of hobbling out there on you said 10%, I'm thinking more 30%, but that's still not much. You see James Harden out there 30%, Why can't Kyrie be out there, say, 15, 30 percent, even if he's hurting a little bit, even if he's going to be a little bit of a decoy, even scoring 10 points, just get that 90s grip back somehow in you. Get it in you and just realize that you're in a game seven. You're a superstar. You should go Kobe Bryant mode and try to be out there as much as you can. Again, we didn't we don't know the severity and I'm not hating on Kyrie. I'm just saying. That's what I would do. I would play through the pain in a game seven where it's not looking like we would win.
3: Right. Yeah, we we saw that with uh, Anthony Davis. He was hurt and he played anyway. And uh, he he said at the end of the game that he wasn't able to move to the left. And then he was in a situation where he had to move to the left and he was in a lot of pain and he just had to go back to the bench. Uh, So Mikey Darwish, round three against the Hawks. The Hawks put up a big fight. Uh, Trey Young went out and then came back. But at, at the end for the last two games, the, the Bucks did not have Giannis. So after everything that Trey Young has done this playoff season, how, how much of a villain is he to the NBA? I mean, he's
4: always going to be regarded as the 2021 playoffs villain. Came into New York ended up killing us in five games. Even in the one game that the Knicks won, he still put up an amazing game. Round two, he went off. He went off versus Philly. Then round three, he he basically led this Hawks team at, to six games versus the Milwaukee Bucks. And now you kind of think about it, and the Hawks should have been the favorites last round because I mean, look at their depth. Look at who they have at their starting five. This team is complete. McMillan who took over as interim head coach was honestly, he took a 14 and 20 team to basically greatness, greatness. And no one expected the Hawks to get as far as they did. And they did amazing. But yeah, regarding Trey young, he's always going to be the villain. I Don't know what's going to happen the next time he steps into MSG, but who knows anymore, really, with Trey. Guy's going up. He's going places.
1: And he still is the villain. I was at Yankee Stadium the other night for the Subway Series. Oh, my God. Everybody's in the Subway in the Bronx. I don't know if you guys saw the NBA Buzz story, but I posted it. Somebody lets out a F-Trey Young chant, and immediately, (laughs) immediately, dozens and dozens of voices in the Subway just start screaming it, including myself. But... (laughs) I respect Trey. I respect Trey. You got to respect Trey. But, you know, he was definitely the villain. And you, I love to hate that guy.
0: Fun yeah. fact: Mikey Darwish was actually in Madison Square Garden, and he participated in one of those chants.
4: I have so many videos. <laughs> if you guys want to see those, I'll uh, I'll send them later. We're
2: actually we're actually waiting for the Twenty Three and Me spit sample to come back, as Mikey was in he was in close proximity to the wad that that that, that almost struck. Uh, you know Trey. Trey might be the villain to the opposite players and maybe New York City fans, but I think. Because of his size, his stature, his relatability, the fact that he plays a fun brand of basketball, I think he's like Steph Curry before him, is going to be very relatable to these smaller kids because he looks like they do more than LeBron does at 6'8". Um, I, I think he's going to be a fan favorite. He's just, he's energetic. He's amazing to watch. At any point he crosses the, the half-court point, he's, he's really a danger to shoot the ball and make it. And um, Atlanta, almost in a way, slightly different as far as composition, but they're almost Phoenix East in the way that it's a team that wasn't supposed to do well and they built through the draft and they kind of added a couple of key pieces like with Capella and they're a real danger. So we'll see what Tatum can do as far as his growth in Boston, what what, what Brooklyn can do as far as the big three, but also what Atlanta can keep doing with what they've done. Tremendous.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Trey Young, like you said, he's a threat as soon as he crosses the half court line and with, with so much supporting talent around him, with so much shooting around him, with uh, the guys like Kevin Herter, who showed up in Trey Young's absence, and Bogdanovich, and uh, Lou Williams. Lou Williams, before uh, that game uh, five, before that game five, Draymond Green came out and said, the Bucks fans are, are getting all excited because Trey Young is out. But in reality, Lou Williams can win you a game. And that—that's exactly what he did. Lou Williams came out and won the game, and then—and uh, then you have Clint Capella grabbing rebounds, blocking shots, as well as John Collins holding down the paint. You know, Capella and Collins are, are holding down the paint, and, and then—and people wonder why Julius Randle disappeared in—in in the first round. So I. Uh, I really think that the Knicks offense wasn't so complex to handle that but the Hawks just had an amazing supporting cast on both sides of the floor and I think it was a huge accomplishment for the Bucks to get past them. Yeah. Uh so with it, without Giannis especially without Giannis without the, the their best player on the team missing to an injury and they overcame the Atlanta Hawks to me, I, I really got to give the Bucks a lot of credit for that, for overcoming the Hawks. So, Mikey Domagala, what do you give the Bucks? What, what kind of accomplishment, how big of an accomplishment is this to, to overcome the Hawks without Giannis? Yeah, well, even,
1: you know, even though I knocked Milwaukee before that the boss, st- you know, sticks kind of and they get bunched up, that, again it's still a great team and when you get Clint Capella you know out of there and Giannis is in the paint you know they had Capella in foul trouble all series long so Giannis was really dominating in there Middleton turned it up also on the other side it seemed like Atlanta kind of started dying by the three a little bit they were so hot against the Knicks from three they were you know ridiculous hitting every shot it was it was crazy I was so annoyed watching that series but It seemed like they died by the three a little bit and they forced Trey into more difficult shots. Drew Holiday got to Trey a little bit here and there. I remember a couple of like eight for 22s where, you know, Trey had impact, but not as impact wasn't impactful as he should. Bogdan Bogdanovich kind of shut down in that series, really wasn't as efficient as he should have been. So I think some of it was playoff fatigue as a whole on the team, player fatigue by making it to their first playoffs, almost all of those guys. And yeah, I mean, you got to give credit to Milwaukee with Giannis and all those guys too, just beating them in, you know, however many games
3: they beat them in. Uh, Okay. So now we've covered the Suns and we've covered the Bucks. Now we're nearing the end of the episode. I got one more question for you. Who wins the finals and in how many games? And then we'll end it off at that. Phoenix in five or six, no doubt about it. I'm looking more towards
1: five at this pace with them up one-nothing. Chris took over that game, man. He is hungry as ever. He's scoring more points than Devin Booker nowadays. So with that, his facilitating with Aiton down there, Booker doing his thing. Booker didn't even shoot too good yesterday, and they still murdered Milwaukee. So I see Bucks maybe grabbing one game, Phoenix in five. And, okay, and-
0: and Mikey, how about the supporting cast behind him? How about Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson, Macau Bridges? Like all these guys around him are just playing so well, and it's like it's only feeding into Chris Paul's play and, and how he's you know and how he's carrying the Suns team.
1: Yeah, I mean, this reminds me of like those '90s Bulls teams where everybody has their role, nobody's mad about their role, and the end goal is the championship, and you know nobody's gonna step out of line to make that a personal thing they want to make it a team thing and I think Monty Williams David J, like you said kind of like being a big brother to all them they're all buying into him all listening to him in full and really just have their eye on the prize and they're they're three wins away
2: yeah yeah I mean you look so they've proven now something we've known for a long time which is the most important position on the court is actually off the court in the GM you look at the Atlanta Hawks, it's the way that you build the team. You can't, you can't throw together, we'll see next season, but you can't really drag together three superstars and be devoid of any type of bench and expect that, that these guys are not going to have bad games. You have to, you've got to plug the holes one through five. Um, you had Milwaukee hit 16 threes last game in game one, and they still lost by 13 points. So you're just wondering if that's going to hold. Jay Crowder had an amazing defensive effort, but was 0 for 8 field goals, 0 for 5 at threes, and had one free throw. It was actually the only free throw miss. They, Phoenix was 25 for 26 in the line. So if not that, it's going to continue again. But you've got the consistent pattern all season has been that Booker goes off, even Aiton Booker and Aiton go off for let's just say the first quarter. They get very hot, the two of them. But then Chris Paul, his his greatest strength, I'm not sure this came up, is the ability to plug himself in when not. At any point, but just when he's needed in the third quarter, fourth quarter, he's that he's the kindle to the fire that will spark a run where they will distance themselves or even kind of double up on a lead. And I, I see them pulling away five, possibly six. It depends how either disheartened or rambunctious the Milwaukee crowd can be. I think they'll be very energetic. You saw like 20,000 of them or 10,000, you know, not that good of numbers um, lined up outside for game one. But if they bring the energy, they might steal one. Otherwise, they might just fall flat and Phoenix will do a better job shooting in game one in game two.
0: Yeah. And uh, just one quick question for David J. A guy like Cameron Payne, right? A guy we, we didn't really know last season, you know, up until the bubble. But, you know, he came in this season with such energy off the bench, you know, back in Chris Paul, like watching him all season. You know,
2: what are your thoughts on him? So they actually mentioned in the broadcast that it's something that has come up during the local broadcast of the sun's all season. He's a very intellectual guy, right? So he graduated three years out of Pittsburgh, and then he got his master's at UNC at North Carolina, Chapel Hill. He's a guy that's got a big body. He's a, you know, he's, he's aggressive. He's developing a mid range shot. Cause he's, he's learning that you can't only shoot the three. They mentioned that in the broadcast. Once he adds that, forget it. Because he's a scrappy defensive player. He's got long arms like Mikael Bridges. He's a guy that is on the outside looking in. He desperately wants a starting position on the court, knowing that this isn't the year for him, but he's looking to get into the starting five the year following. Um, he's tremendous. We, we James Jones caught a little bit of flack grabbing him at 11th, but it seems to have been a little bit of a prophetic pick. Not pathetic, but prophetic.
0: Right. Go ahead, Mikey Darwish.
4: And, I mean, you know, like I keep saying about campaign, this guy knows how to ball out when he has it in his hand. He knows how to play this sport. He's born for this, and he can literally be one of the better names in the finals. You know, I have him over bridges in, like, the running for any award regarding the Suns. And not many people know this as well, but, uh, Dave, you were actually a – you were playing 2K with him a year ago. That's right. Yes. Was, uh, <laughs> uh, look how far he came. He was learning on the sticks from David Salama. Now he's uh, bossing it up in the NBA finals.
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy. You know, a year ago, the man was playing for the Texas Legends, you know, G-leaguer. No one knew who he was. And then a year later, the guys in the NBA finals. It just goes to show that if you put the work in, you you get the results. He stuck to it. Put, put the work in and, you know, look at where he is now.
2: Yeah, Cameron, Cameron Payne's first step is so explosive that it almost looks like he's already on his second and third by the time you see him. He, yeah. he is, he's Jamal Crawford Jr. He's, he's a starter in my book. So I hope that we can hold on to him because we've got him on a two-year contract. We've got him for one more year, but we've stolen him at that price. And he is, he's exactly what you're looking for at his position, which is a bench guard, a second option. He is instant office. He's, he's, a, he's a one-man show, and he's, he's a pleasure to watch.
0: Definitely. Yeah,
3: yeah. Uh, so I saw the other day on official NBA buzz uh, that a few of the Team USA players are getting some practice uh, going on, and uh, Team USA, I, I think, is going to win a gold medal. Is there any chance that they don't win gold? I don't think so. Even if they run into Luka Doncic over there, he's just a one-man show,
1: so... Every other team, you know, they might have some NBA players, but they don't have as many superstars as uh, Team USA.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Thank you for coming on with us today, Mikey. And uh, thank you to our Phoenix Suns correspondent, David Jolovitz. Uh Always a pleasure to have both of you guys on. Always welcome on Sporting DSM. Uh, and to the listeners, go follow Mikey Domagala at Official NBA Buzz on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter all right
2: it's a must it's as a matter of fact unfollow everybody else you follow (laughs) follow official (laughs) buzz set on the notifications and this is it you do if you're a sports fan smash that follow button
1: yes exactly thank you guys i appreciate it and as always david and everybody else i always see you guys in the comments i'm always trying to like your comments up and respond (laughs) to you so
4: thanks a lot i see everything so, yeah, Mike, we love your product, man. We love your product.
0: Mike, you got to pin our comments, too. <laughs> he,
4: he, pinned <laughs> he pinned mine, actually, on uh, one of his more recent posts about, like, uh, owners letting GMs take control. And uh, I thought that was a really interesting debate. But, yeah, I kind he of pin pinned your it. comment? What's his Venmo? <laughs> <laughs> remember, remember, remember. I will pin your
1: comment if it, one, makes sense. If, if I pretty much agree with it, if it's not really too biased, and if it'll spark a debate, which will create more and more comments. So like,
4: there's a method for madness. And like on that post, you kind of said, should GMs be allowed to take more control? And I brought the example of uh, Leon Rose and Dolan this season, like, cause it's probably the best uh, example I could have really given. And I think that was, you know, there. Some people didn't see it, unfortunately, but it is what it is.
0: <laughs> yeah. But no, Mikey, um, uh, we appreciate it. Definitely. Like, uh, Thank you so much for coming on, man.
1: No problem, guys. All right. Send me this and I'll I'll definitely post about it when it's all up and ready. Awesome. Pleasure.
3: Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you all for right, coming
1: guys. on. Yep. Talk to you later. Good night.